The year is 1890. The place, Boston. An evil force continues to seep into our world, corrupting and conquering all who touch it. Our four brave adventurers foiled its mysterious plans twice, bringing Jack the Ripper to justice and stopping it from unleashing panic from an ancient tomb. But now our four heroes have evil's full attention. Can they keep this force from holding illimitable dominion over all? Find out as they face the Red Death. As you're sitting at your desk, the stone near you lights up and you see the words police station as quickly as possible appear on it. I think Charlotte gets a a little bit concerned uh, since there's not more details and it seems to be urgent. So she uh, grabs her hat and, and heads out pretty quickly. Okay. So since you're uh, a bit past the outskirts of town, how long does it take you to get to the uh, station? Kristen is very bad with distance and time. (laughs) (laughs) Charlotte is not, I'm guessing. Um, Like 20 minutes? Yeah, I think 20 minutes, half hour if you you move quickly. Okay. Does she Uh, have a horse? Ah, uh, yeah, that's that's a dog nod. That's a dog nod. Yeah, uh, a horse. Yes, she, she for sure has a horse. So, the two of you are sitting there, um, going over the details again. When, without a knock, without any warning, uh, this woman bursts into Detective O'Neill's office. Um, Charlotte, tell us tell us what they see as you burst in. Sure. Uh, so when Charlotte bursts in, they see a uh, woman who is about uh, five seven, five eight. She is wearing a long skirt. Uh, it's high waisted and and pretty plain, with a long sleeve blouse uh, and puffy sleeves, because apparently that was the style. <laughs> uh, her uh, dirty blonde hair is kind of curled up, pushed up under her hat. Um, haphazardly, but you can tell that uh, she's a little bit out of breath uh, and slightly worse for wear. Uh, And she bursts in and asks, what's going on? And uh, Detective O'Neill says, uh, ah, yes, Ms. Hahn, Ms. Del Rio, please meet Ms. Grant, one of the most experienced and he smiles a little bit. Most expensive trackers uh, available to anyone in Boston. I don't think you've ever not found someone you were actually looking for, right, Miss Grant? Never. I always find what I'm looking for. He says, so, and he brings you up to speed on everything. Um, letting them fill in as they do and says so far be it from me 
to tell you how to do your job, but you may want to think about who might have something out against these two. Yes, I think that's an excellent place to start. Um, do you ladies have any any enemies, anyone who would wish to cause you or your companions harm? I think Agnes turns to Ignacia and laughs a little bit. I think when she looks at, when Agnes looks at Ignacia, Ignacia looks at Detective O'Neill and just gives that knowing look, but looks down and thinks about it. Well, I mean, but he's behind bars, isn't he? Well, we did have the incident recently at the museum and made some um, oh, that's friends right. there, if you will. Mm. What what were they called again? The white, the white, the white knives. Um, Something stupid like that. Uh, the the black needles. What is it? What is it that you know about these white knives and black needles? Oh. It's the white sword, isn't it? That was what it right, was. Yes, they had that, little, that's it. Oh, gosh. Oh. Little tattoos on their, on their fingers. Yes, yes. So as you get to that realization, he sort of furrows his brow and he says, I, as I told you, they may be idiots, but they're incredibly dangerous. The, the white sword, yes. Um, but... About Dr. Witherspoon, I didn't mention this since I was a bit flustered, but um, he managed to snap his own neck last night. So I don't suspect he was behind this. One would hope that would be quite the interesting magic trick. And as you say that, he sort of raises an eyebrow and smiles at you. And Ignacia's just shocked, uh, just 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 shocked about the whole like, uh, what? He says, "I, I'm not sure I fully understand it either." But he was, as he has been for a few nights, ranting and raving the other night, and we've put multiple officers on duty by his cell to record things. They say it sounded like he was having a conversation with someone who wasn't there. Um, last night was especially bad. And before they could get a doctor with laudanum in, he, he just started repeating no, no, no. And reached up and snapped his own neck with his bare hands. Died instantly. How I, is that possible? He said, I had Teresa look into it a little bit. It, there wasn't any kind of possession that she could see just, Snap. Have you had the medical examiner look at the body yet? He's down in the morgue, but uh, our medical examiner is passable at best. If you ask me, I think I, I think perhaps the guilt finally broke him. So, Charlotte, have you been keeping up uh, with, like, Boston newspapers and such and the like? Okay. Yeah, I was going to have Charlotte ask about 
Dr. Witherspoon. And then I realized that that would have been at least part of the story would have been big enough news that she'd be familiar with mm-hmm. the name. Absolutely. Yeah. And the people who captured him were unidentified, but you're easily able to piece together that they had something to do with it. Okay. And so O'Neill says, I think the guilt may have just broken him. He, he was captured. He had nowhere to run. And I don't know if that ring let him lie to himself. I, I don't know. And but as you keep it, bringing up the ring and like magic and all that, Ignacia is looking at Charlotte being like, does she know <laughs> about what's going on? <laughs> uh, give me a quick insight check. I paused to see. I was like, is this a roll? <laughs> uh, 18. So you... You hesitate for a second because you're surprised to have him talking so openly about this. Um, You glance at her and you realize that she is totally unfazed by any of this. Um, And then think back to the fact that she arrived here after Detective O'Neill, not leaving his office, took out a pen and wrote some words on on a stone. And then she suddenly showed up. Um, and you say, okay, to yourself, like, oh, all right, there's, okay. okay. Um, and Agnes, I assume you just sort of roll your eyes at any of this magic stuff. Yes, I think it's ridiculous that Detective O'Neill is writing on stones. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many simpler ways to take a memo. <laughs> so Ignacia is going to look at them. And, but she's keep thinking about Dr. Witherspoon snapping at the neck. She's like, I, y'all, you all keep talking about this for a second. I'll be right back. And she's going to make her way down to the morgue. Okay. Uh, anybody want to go with her? Or is she just going to? I want to look at dead bodies with her. Agnes does not want to go to the morgue. Okay. Oh, uh, no, I think Charlotte needs to stay in here uh, about the missing people. Okay. So. Witherspoon. Okay. You know what? Agnes does want to go to the, if Ignacia is going to the morgue, then, then I'll go with, I forgot about a thing and I just remembered a thing. You you don't have to. No, I want to do the thing. You want to do the thing? I want to do the thing. I changed my character sheet so that we could do the thing. <laughs> I forgot about the thing. <laughs> um, Ignacia didn't say she was going somewhere, right? She just said, excuse me. Right? Yeah. Said, yeah. Yeah. But after it's like after the Witherspoon talk and knowing, like hearing that he's in the morgue. Sure. And the, mort- the, the medical examiner's meh. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'll be right back. Yeah. I think having just, um, just met these ladies, uh, Charlotte would find it rude to, uh, follow someone who has excused themselves with no explanation from the room. So she will stay. Um, Give me a quick insight check. Me? Yeah. I get to roll. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There it is. Uh, 15. Okay. So yeah, you have the assumption that that's probably where she's going, but you're not entirely sure. Okay. Um, I think she stays behind for a beat, uh, okay. but 
but then might follow, just not necessarily intruding on uh, on them going together. Okay. Um, and so Detective O'Neill, too, uh, as Agnes stands up to follow Ignacia, who's sort of abruptly rushed out, um, he says, it'll be easier if I come with you. And so he stands up uh, and he invites you to come along with him, Charlotte. Perfect. Okay, so you make your way down to the morgue um, and there are, uh, there's a, an officer sitting there. The examiner's gone home for the night, but Detective O'Neill says a couple quick words to him. They go in uh, and then he sort of waves, uh, waves the officer away back to his post, um, pulls out a... Uh, a drawer. I have no idea how historically accurate this is, but, um, and there is Dr. Witherspoon's body with his, uh, his neck roughly at, uh, an impossible angle. Okay. They, as, as she looks, she's, she's seen dead bodies plenty of times, so it doesn't face her at all of what this is, be it, sneaking into middle school and like watching surgeries or at, during her life down South. So she's like, Oh, it's just another dead body. Mm-hmm. So she's looking at it more in a medical aspect. And she looks around for like, I don't know, like a cloth or something to like help. Cause she's going to put it on her hand, like cover her hands, like some sort of way. So she doesn't touch it with her bare hands. Cause she worries about getting her fingerprints on it and just start looking at his body and like, is he naked or do they still have him clothed? Probably still have him clothed for some sense of decorum. Okay. She's going to just at least look at the body and like, see if there's anything on him by chance. Since he's still wearing stuff to see if there's like notes or something that he's hidden on his form. Yeah. So you sort of go through, uh, his pockets, which um, he doesn't have. So the garb he's been given in prison is pocketless, uh, impossible to conceal anything. There's there's nothing on him. Uh, you can even do a full exam of the body. There are no tattoos, no distinguishing anything that he would have put there himself. But it does look like... I don't even need medicine check to know that it was death by... The the bright uh, the neck breaking. Uh, well, give me a, yeah, give me a medicine check. Okay. Uh, twenty two. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, you actually are able to see exactly which vertebrae snapped and exactly how. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is uh, perfectly consistent with someone of approximately his strength snapping a neck exactly as hard as he could. Um you're taken back by the total lack of self-preservation that was there. Normally, if something like this were to happen, you know, on some instinctual level, people would hold back. He has applied his full, full strength to this. Yeah. Um, you also notice that on his uh, left ring finger where he was wearing uh, the ring that Sawyer now has, where that ring was on him seems to have a permanent burn around it. 
All right. And um, she's like, yeah, and because the cloth was slipping, she just gave up and just started holding him with her hands. Mm-hmm. She has no qualms about touching dead people. So she's like, what? A, at least not deeply decomposed people. So he's pretty okay right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's like, yeah. And she points to you, like, pulls up the his shoulder and back to point out where on the vertebrae he, he snapped. He's just, but she's like, you think, you think he wouldn't use his whole, his whole strength on his own self. That's, that's really weird. And then, you know, she puts him back down and then she's like just checking him and sees that burn. She's like, and she picks up his hand by the fingertips and basically, especially the ring one, she's like, does that look like a burn to you? It looks like something. Huh. And it goes all the way around. I wonder, I wonder if it was from that ring. And she goes to put the hand back down and finishes up and she's like, when she's untouching him, she just immediately does one of the surgeon things where the hands stay up and she goes to the sink and just goes to wash her hands. Mm-hmm. So I think while you're washing your hands and so Agnes, I imagine has seen a couple of that, you know, aside from whatever combat we've had here, but like in her earlier life, um, she's seen a few dead bodies because her father and her brother are both surgeons and she's probably you know, what gone in and to the medical school and just seen whatever there is to see um, for the sake of learning about it. She does not have the same comfort level that Ignacia does, so this is still kind of like, ugh. And I'm sure the smells in here are not fantastic, to say the least. Um, but it's, it's weirdly per- Dr. Witherspoon, not because like there was obviously... It's not like, oh, this was a friend and something happened to them. This is like a terrible person and terrible things occurred with this person. Uh, but it's still strange because this is the first dead body where there is kind of some kind of history. Um, so Agnes goes up to him and is just kind of staring at him at first, trying to learn something. And at least in her mind, she's trying to learn something through just like looking for normal physical clues uh, but knowing that like if there was something Ignacia would have picked up on it and she kind of she gets a little bit frustrated and she just she's staring intently at this corpse and she's just like what happened to you and I I assume you're doing what I assume you're doing yes I'm doing the thing (laughs) okay tell our friends at home so the thing um, is what Agnes does not realize she's doing is casting speak with dead. I mean, she can talk to animals and plants, right? So like, why not the dead? Why not? Okay. Uh, so as you uh, as you work sort of through these questions in your own head, Suddenly, the eyes snap open. And rather than pupils, it's they're just red. It looks um, 
like the two eyes are, if you've ever seen someone with a burst blood vessel in the whites of their eyes, the entire eye is that. There's no pupil, there's no iris, it's just red. And it opens its mouth and uh, looks directly at Agnes and says, skeptic, we meet again. How is your doubt? And it's just like under her breath going like, this is all just happening in my mind palace. This is just in my mind palace. Not real. It's just my mind palace. I, ah. (laughs) And Agnes is definitely like, she's taken a step back. She doesn't like the look of any of this. Um, Does Ignacy hear this at the sink? You do. She's going to stop and start slowly dry her hands and slowly approach. Just very confused. (laughs) Okay. So does everyone in the room hear this then, or is it just Ignacia and Agnes? Everyone hears it. Okay. Charlotte doesn't have a reaction. Okay. My doubt is fine and healthy. Thank you. It looks well. It is well. <laughs> I think like <laughs> this is oh God, this is gonna be real interesting trying to keep Agnes and her like skeptics <laughs> What and and again she in her mind this is all like this is her way of receiving information that she is somehow gleaning in a rational way. Uh but she asks, what happened? Why, why did this happen to this body? This body gave itself over to me in exchange for power. I shared power with it through a ring. It gladly took it. And it did as I wished and as it wished. Then... It lost the ring and was of no more use to me. It insisted that I help it, that I owed it something as though I hadn't given it everything it asked for. It insisted that I help it escape, help it flee, help it get away. And in a sense I did, and in another sense I grew tired of it. And so I destroyed it. It was mine the whole time. Anyway. Our friends are missing. I don't... Do you... Agnes, and Agnes tries to rethink her phrasing of this. Where are they? Friends. And it smiles. And says, uh, if I knew, if I cared to find that information I wouldn't tell you what do you offer me what is it that you would want which is not me agreeing to uh to give you anything I'm just merely curious about what you could possibly want from the likes of us I want what I want from everyone I want you to bow before me 
Jack just looks at Ignacia because I have a feeling Ignacia is making a weird face right now. Ignacia is like just coming in from the other side because she went off to go wash her hands. And so she's coming back, drying her hands, listening to this, glaring at Dr. Witherspoon's dead reanimated body with... Did she ever run into the Sphinx at all? She, uh, no, right? No. She did not. So she doesn't know this voice. And she's like, she looks at Dr. Wood's body and realizes it's not his voice. Looks at Agnes. Looks at the body. Looks at Agnes. Gives a raised eyebrow and, be, and just shaking her head. Uh, both, both of the bystanders give me an arcana check. Me too. Okay. I was yeah. going to ask if uh, Charlotte would have any, would be familiar with this at all. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 25. I'm slower. Hold on. That's okay. 23. Okay. Nice rolls. Um, so this resonates with both of you. Um, the voice is pure evil. You can tell that it's just malicious, um, but malicious in an indifferent sort of way. Um, Total disregard for pretty much everything. And um, just pure evil. Um, I wanted Charlotte to do something mild, but I'm I'm concerned about interrupting the main character's scene. I don't want to do that. Agnes, can I do something or do oh, you yeah, want to talk it. more? Are you sure? I think, oh, well, maybe first I'll quickly ask one more thing just in case. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your connection to the white sword? Witherspoon's corpse says, I've given the white sword what I give those who ask it of me. I've given it power. And Charlotte, if you want to do a thing um so charlotte is gonna put her hand on agnes's shoulder um and very gently say this is this is pure evil it will not give you any straight answers it will only tell you lies and try to deceive you and harm you this is not the way to find your friends i think that we should leave and let me use my ability to assist both of you and bring your friends home. Agnes nods because this is like the fact that this is even happening at all is like not, this is not a fun day for her <laughs> for several reasons. And like she was not expecting to talk to a possessed corpse today. Um, and I think she just turns to the corpse and she's like, all right, this is over. It smiles this horrible smile. Um, Its neck is still turned to the side and sort of hanging limply. And it pull the muscles pull back. And it says, remember this moment, Agnes, everything you suffer after this moment is because you wouldn't bow to me. And the eyes close. And the smile muscles slowly slacken. Agnes just kind of like, she turns away from the corpse. And she leaves the room muttering like, mind palace, all in my head. 
not real and she she's gone like she does not want to be in this more one second longer like this is this is and i don't think like ignacia at least would not have to roll to know that like there's been a lot that agnes has been able to be in denial over this is kind of like the thing that's really 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 pushing it with her and as soon as the body falls and Agnes turns around, Ignacy just pushes the door back in and just slams the, the slams it shut. Okay. So as uh, Agnes, as you rush out, you see that Detective O'Neill is there making small talk with the with the the officer guarding it, and sees you rush by, um, and you hear him quickly end his conversation and start walking after you. Uh, I think Agnes is really not in the headspace to like at least stop and have a conversation. So she's going to go to wherever she can get, wherever is closest where she can get a glass of water. Yeah, I mean, they would certainly have that in the police station. So you go into a little, I don't know what they would call it back then, but basically a break room um, and pour yourself a glass of water. Give me a wisdom saving throw. Um, 16. Okay. You're just barely able to, to keep it together to drink the glass. You can barely fill the pit, uh, fill the glass from the pitcher. You can barely get it to your lips. You're, you're trembling. You're, you're very shaken. Yep. And shortly after you pour the, the glass for yourself, Detective O'Neill comes in behind you and says, Miss Han, are you okay? Uh, Agnes nods, but it's not. (laughs) Okay. Uh, It sure isn't for him. Um, He says, what happened in there? Remind me not to ask questions of corpses anymore in the future. He, he nods. Um, You can tell that he understands um, and he says, it's a, it's a dangerous spell. I'll, uh, I'm sorry. And he sort of gives you a quick, awkward shoulder pat and walks out. I think Agnes sits in there, like downs two more glasses of water, just like out of wanting an action to take that's mundane. Sure. Charlotte, Ignacio, what are you two up to? If Ignacia was going to follow Agnes out, then I, I was also, Charlotte was also going to go. And I, I think would in, inquire as to what was going on with Agnes. Like what was wrong? Mm. I think Ignacia is going to give her a moment to herself, at least because she, Ignacia knows that magic and all this stuff is not something Agnes believes at all. So she knows to, if it, this affects her that much, to give her some space. So she's going to wait a minute, look at the body, or at least look at the door where the body is, because she already shut the door, and be like, well, what do you think the first steps are into finding James and Sawyer? It's just us two in the room, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Before we get to that, while you're, uh, while we're giving your friend a moment, uh, what 
what happened? Why is she so shaken? Ignacia just chuckles a bit and she's like, some would call Agnes a non-believer. Um, any magic or anything like that, she she doesn't care for. We've been to a few of the like mediums and magic shows and she's the first to debunk them. So all of that that just happened, she she hasn't accepted what the world holds past her own eyes yet. Interesting. So she's a skeptic who has natural talent and doesn't believe in her own natural talent. Yep. Oh, poor girl. That is rough. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be the one to break it to her because she won't believe me if I tell her anything. So this, her experience in like this may finally be getting through to her. I understand. Well, I'm not here to interfere. I will follow your lead on that. Uh, when you think she's ready, we should all talk and, and see how to best proceed to find your companions. Ignacia gives it like a, a couple seconds of silence. And then she's like, all right, let's, let's go find her now. Okay. I think just as you are all coming to like look for her, Agnes is like ready to go and rejoin everyone because there is the pressing matter that James and Finn are missing still. And once once we meet up, Ignacia is just gonna like look at Agnes and be like, "Are you okay?" Uh, Agnes again does a little weird hybrid nod shrug. I understand. Performance check that for me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 14. Okay. Uh, insight check that for me. Also a 14. You believe her. Okay. Let's go find our boys. God, what trouble have they gotten themselves into this time? (laughs) (laughs) So we're all together now, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Doug, what does... Charlotte know about the white sword, if anything. Sure. So you would know that uh, as part of your work as a tracker, you would know that they are, um, you would actually probably know everything that they know about them. They're a white supremacist group out of the South, um, sort of like the occult branch of the KKK. Mm-hmm. Uh, some overlap of members you would actually know probably a little bit more about them um they're bad dudes and you probably you may have tracked one or two things before but you would make it your point to know about things like this in case you had to sure um the the leader of the white sword in the u.s is the direct descendant of one of the founders of the clan and generally real, real bad dudes. Um, you know a little bit about magic and you know that they're playing around with shit that is well outside of their capacity to control or handle. Okay. Would I know of like a um, 
I know this isn't the right term, but like a base, like a place where they reside or hang out regularly where we no. can start. Okay. They, okay. they don't usually come this far North. Okay. Um, and so the fact that they are, it would be for a very serious reason. Okay. But hearing about what went down at the, at the museum, which you talked about earlier, um, that sort of revenge, kidnapping, killing wouldn't, certainly wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility for them. Okay. Um, you do know that when they come to town, they like to uh, enjoy themselves. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and you know that in Boston, the place one goes to enjoy oneself uh, would be Madame Marie's. Well, that sounds familiar. Out of game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Thank you for that. Sure. All right, since we're all together. Um, So I think Charlotte addresses both Agnes and Ignacia and says, well, it sounds as if you all have made yourself a a list of enemies, Dr. Witherspoon and the White Sword. Well, as you can tell, that list did just get shorter. Yes, it did. And that is good for all of us, not just because a terrible person has left this earth, but because that is one less person who could be involved with kidnapping your friends. So on the list of suspects, that leaves us pretty much with the white sword. I think that's where we should start. How does that sound? Let's do it. They are our most recent enemy. So there's that. Okay. Well, then I think I know of a place where we can check, maybe get some more information. I can go alone or you're welcome to come with me. It's up to you. No, I'm coming with you. I think it's best if we stick together. Okay. Well, let's go. How far is Madame Marie's? Madame Marie's would be about half an hour from there. On my horse? It'd be about, be about 15 <laughs> minutes on your horse. Uh, but these other two are not behorsed. No, no, no. We will we'll, we'll walk. I mean, if it's okay, I'm assuming that I've come here to talk to Detective O'Neill enough times that I can leave my horse yeah. here. Okay. I'm so glad Morgan said she has a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Like, if you live out of town, of course you're going to have a horse. Like, <laughs> it's a, the fastest way of transport back in the 1890s. Yeah. <laughs> well, the second fastest way of transport in this 1890s. Oh. But, yeah. But I don't think any of you can teleport, so. <laughs> Yet. Yet. <laughs> um, so would my, and obviously, unless... Um, Morgan or Cleo, unless you already know how you want to proceed. I don't know if my character would, I guess, know the best way to try to get information or try to see. Like, I don't want to put us immediately in danger. <laughs> Just burst into Madame Marie's with these two and get in a gunfight. Well, do you tell us where we're going? 
What? Sorry. Do you tell us where we're going? Oh, yeah, on the way. Yes, 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 yes. Agnes has been there. Ignacia has not, so. Okay. <laughs> right? I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you went back to the, you went to the medical office to inspect. That one guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I am uh, not, <laughs> I don't know, and friendly might be a strong word. Uh, with Madame Marie, but I mean, we had a not unpleasant encounter that was fruitful in some way. Uh, would Charlotte have a relationship with Madame Marie? Uh, give me a what would be a good check for that? Give me a persuasion check. A seven. You've had some exchanges with her before. They haven't all been positive. Um, you acknowledge that sometimes you've been a little pushy in trying to get information. Um, but she'll certainly recognize you when you come back, and she certainly won't throw you out immediately. Perfect. So yeah, I think Charlotte actually mentions some of this to Ignacia and Agnes because she probably isn't going to want to be the person doing the talking right away if we talk to Madame Marie just because of our history. So I think she's trying to kind of see if you all have a relationship with her and what that looks like. Well, we definitely also returned one of her employees to her unharmed um, because we we did walk her that long way home that one time when we first met Madame Marie. So there is at least like that, that little bit of trust or what have you has been established. So that's one thing we have going for us at least. Perfect. That sounds like a little more than I have going for me. Okay. So you arrive uneventfully at Madame Marie's. Are you all going in together? Are you going in? I think I'll probably be the one who's like at least standing up front just since I'm a familiar face. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm, and I'm a familiar face in a like a, in a minimally negative way. <laughs> okay. So, so yeah, you you make your way in, and you're stopped briefly by the the doorman, but uh, he lets the three of you in. And as you come in, you're greeted, and uh, a group of men start sort of walking towards the three of you, as the person who greets you, uh, the woman who greets you asks what you'll be needing this evening. And the group of men, I'm just, uh, Ignacia is sort of like behind Agnes because of the way we're entering. Mm -hmm. She's going to look over and around and I'm trying, she's just going to look straight at their hands. Okay. Um, Yeah, their hands are clean. They're all very attractive men. Um, Oh, those men. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think it, it, it took a couple seconds for Ignacia to recognize this as well. Sure. As she, she yeah. <laughs> she's looking at it, their hands because she's on a mission, and then she realizes where she they are and look at their faces and just blushes a bit <laughs> and just like looks down. Sure. Um, and the the woman who's greeting you says, there's no need to blush. 
This is so not like Agnes's comfort zone either. We've gone from like one extreme discomfort zone to another extreme discomfort zone. That's the title of the arc. <laughs> uh, and so she's like making, she's only making eye contact with the woman who is greeting them and like does not want to look around at the surroundings for like, you know, God forbid she sees something that's scandalous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and she just says, we're here to speak to Madame Marie. It's, it's quite urgent. Uh, I'm a friend. She says, uh, Madame Marie doesn't have many friends. What's your name? Agnes Hahn. She says, I'm fairly sure you're not one of her friends. Mm, she may want to speak to us urgently as well if she knew what were happening. She uh, rolls her eyes and gives an audible sigh um, and says, I'll let her know, but if she's not happy to see you, it would be better if you're not here when I get back downstairs. I'm going to look around and see whether I can see the um, the woman who we escorted here that night. I can't, I don't have my notebook on me, so I can't remember her name. Um, uh, give me a history check. Uh, that is a 19 altogether. So you remember that the young woman you escorted here was named Clara May. You didn't get a last name, but... Okay. Uh, is Clara May here by any chance before she can go off and, like, find Madame Marie? Are you asking her this, or are you looking? Well, I'm gonna... I'll look, and if I don't see her, then I'll ask. You... Uh, you don't see her. And as, uh, the... The, I guess we'll call her the hostess, is heading up the stairs. Um, you call after her, and she freezes on the steps um, and says, no, no, she's she's indisposed. And then her, about doubles her pace up the stairs. I look at uh, Charlotte and Ignacia and see if they can... I, I, <laughs> mostly actually because Agnes doesn't want to look at anything else that's happening in the establishment. Yeah, the men have sort of uh, backed up a little bit and are talking among themselves, but uh, making sure that they're ready to look good at any moment. Um, Yeah, all three of you give me a quick insight check. Oh, dang, that was so close to a 20. Uh, Nine. Twelve. Twenty-four. Good roll. Um, so, yeah, uh, Charlotte, you've been around uh, the sort of seedier parts to know what indisposed means in this trade. She's working right now. Uh, the other two, uh, you two are a little concerned that maybe something has happened to her. Um, although, Agnes, you're less sure and you think it might just be maybe that worked and she just doesn't want to see you to relive any sort of the past experiences. Um, but you're not sure you're still pretty shaken up from before. And so you're not thinking clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ignacia, you're ready to start inquiring after her safety. She She's going to look at the two of them and be like, are you sure Clara May's okay? And she's going to, 
slowly start looking at the guys there, about to say something to them, and then just like bites her tongue and then turns back to the to the other women. Um, Charlotte is looking everywhere in the room except at Agnes and Ignacia, um, just on the lookout for anything. Uh, so she answers without looking directly at Ignacia and and says. Um, I believe she's fine. Her safety is not an immediate concern. Okay. Okay. Good to know. And Ignacia is just like rocking on her heels, unsure of what to do or where to look. So (laughs) I think Charlotte puts a hand on uh, Ignacia's shoulder um, just briefly, but uh, in an attempt to be comforting. Ignacia, this, as she touches your shoulder, you feel uh, a wave of absolute comfort wash over you, and you are 100% sure that Clara May is just fine. Okay. She's gonna inhale deeply and be like, okay, all right, thank you. Um, since Charlotte's looking around, is, is there anything that I notice? Uh, give me an investigation check. 17. Yeah, so as you look around, you see um, everything is as it should be in a brothel, right? There are a few clients who haven't moved elsewhere yet, still talking. Um, but for the most part, the people working there are milling about and ready to receive customers. Um, There's no tension in the room. Uh, There's no, well, other than the obvious tension, but (laughs) there's no, uh, nothing is out of place. Nothing is wrong here. Okay. I think even though Charlotte knows that, she does not uh, relax at all. Mm -hmm. She remains on high alert. Sure. So as you... Uh, sort of finish making your sweep of the room, you see the hostess rushing down the stairs um, towards the three of you and says, please forgive me, Madame Marie, we'll see all of you uh, immediately. Thank you. And so she leads you upstairs. Uh, Agnes, you remember the way, this is where you met with her before in her office. The library with all of the unopened books and she's sitting behind her desk and she stands up as you walk in smiles when she sees the two of you and then grimaces a bit as charlotte walks in behind um and says well well if miss grant is here i don't suppose you're here to take me up on my earlier offer of free services should you ever desire them. Ignacia's just in the back, just like confused free services, but she's just, she, she doesn't like say it out loud, but that's her look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Cause you weren't there for that conversation. No. <laughs> she was not. Yeah. Agnes is very red in the face. <laughs> uh, we, we, there, there's an, another, a favor that we we've come to ask of you or not so much a favor as a 
we find ourselves in a bit of a predicament. Two of our friends, the two that you probably remember, uh, are missing. And right now, our investigation is leading us here for the time being. She cocks her head and says, I'm sure none of my employees had anything to do with it. But if they did, I will certainly deal with it appropriately. Please tell me what's going on. Uh, and I turn over to Charlotte since Charlotte seems to understand the ways of the world a bit better. <laughs> uh, Charlotte explains. Um, I wonder if Charlotte would explain everything. I think she just explains who's missing. Okay. She's sort of, you can tell uh, without an insight check that she'd rather be talking to Agnes. Um, but she says, and as I've said before, I don't know what you think my employees could possibly have to do with this. Uh, I think Charlotte puts um, a hand just quickly on Agnes's shoulder and says, uh, these are your friends. It's, it's probably best if, if you fill in the details, knowing that she's probably going to get more of an answer from Madame Marie. Well, if not your employees, then perhaps your clients. Maybe that's where our concern mostly lies. You see, we are, well, we have been dealing with a group that calls themselves the White Sword. I don't know whether that name or that image recalls anything for you. It does. They were, uh, they were here two nights ago. But what's your involvement with them? We had a, and I guess like, I just wouldn't want to go spilling everything unless she kind of got, it's going to be like an exchanged glance. Can we like play this game of telephone through nonverbal means? Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to look over at Ignacio and Charlotte to see whether I have to go ahead to kind of get, spill the beans on this. Ignacio just nods. I was going to say, I think Charlotte just nods. Okay. Hopefully Agnes doesn't need to do an inside check. No, we're we're okay this time. Charlotte Uh, nods and gives a thumbs up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Agnes explains pretty much, you know, the summarizes what happened at the museum. I mean, without diving into the supernatural elements, Mm -hmm. um, but mostly focusing on the involvement of the white sword. um, And then also goes on to explain that James and Finn were last seen at the bar and exactly like what happened when they returned to the bar and what they found there. Uh, just the things that would be essential for her to know in order to help us. Yeah. Um, she says, Oh, I didn't know that was you at the museum. They'll definitely be wanting to kill you. I am not, I'm not surprised by that. And also, uh, may I ask how you, how you specifically know this. It's how they operate. They're, they desperately cling to this sense of honor that they have. And so likely they'd want to kill the men in some sort of grand, noble way to show that they're better than them. And having had two women have a hand in getting the better of them, probably want to kill the two of you quietly at some point. On a more personal note, 
why is it that you even deign to provide services to these men? She nods. Um, she says, yeah, uh, I can't stand them. Uh, but when they don't get their way, they become violent. They swear blood oaths. They're absurd. It's sometimes easier to give them what they want, take their money, give them a free drink and call it a night. I don't suppose you know where we could find them. She goes over to the door uh, and locks it and motions for the four of you to step further into her office. Ignacia's livid right now, though. So, yeah, she follows, but hearing how these men treat the workers there, how they operate, how all this Ignacia is keeping her cool, but there's concern and anger sort of just like on her face. Sure. So she says that the, uh, when they were here, they asked about having some girls come out with them to where they were staying. And that was an offer she was able to get them to, to have her decline. Um, it took some, some talking, but eventually they understood that the Neponset River was simply too far for me to send my girls and be confident in their safety. And McCord, the, the one leading all of them, he didn't much seem to want them out there either. It was some of his other men. But, but no, uh, my guess is if they're still in the area, they would be out near the Neponset River. Anywhere in particular by that river? A building, um, perhaps? So, uh, Charlotte, give me a survival check. I'll find it. There it is. <clears throat> 19. Okay. So you know that there are two likely places where they could be. Um, one is a single cabin that's abandoned out by there. And the Neponset River is about, uh, is about a four-hour trip through relatively dense forest south of Boston. Uh, and there's one abandoned cabin there, and there's one set of abandoned cabins. So depending on how many of them there are, uh, one or the other would be the more likely place. That's perfect, because Charlotte was going to interrupt anyway and ask um, how many men will be there. Uh she sort of shrugs coolly at you um, and says, there were 10 of them here that night, but how many there are there, I don't know. Okay. Um, I think that Charlotte is going to uh, suggest to Agnes and Ignacia that, that we get ready to head out there as soon as possible. Agnes agrees. I'm ready now. Let's go. Okay, let's go. She says, I, do you know who McCord is? Do I know who McCord is? <laughs> uh, give me a history check. Okay. 30? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Charlotte has some history, experience, knowledge, whatever. 
you know McCord's goddamn family tree. Um, <laughs> so in finding, uh, in keeping tabs on organizations like the White Sword, you make it a point to know about their leaders, mm-hmm. and that is Edwin McCord. Okay. He is the son of a founding member of the Klan, um, followed in his father's footsteps, and became the leader of the White Sword. He is, you've never met him um, mm-hmm. because you've never heard of his coming north before. Mm-hmm. But the stories about him are that he is a massive, savage, brutal man who insists upon killing at least one person a week to stay sharp. Wow. Okay. Um, would Charlotte, though, be surprised to hear that McCord is involved at this level with kidnapping these two men. Shocked. Yeah. This is getting a couple people stopped at a poorly planned museum thing Mm -hmm. is is nothing. It is uncanny that he would be up here. This is either something else going on or he's bored or Mm -hmm. this is his desire to send an incredibly strong message to the members of his organization that uh, he'll take care of them. Um, So I don't know if Agnes and Ignacia would notice, but I think we definitely see. So Charlotte is pretty unreadable, uh, but I think we definitely see fear in her eyes very briefly. Um, And then she asks Madame Marie, McCord is involved in this. McCord was here. They're the men who took your men, then yes. Uh, And I see you know what that means, and I'm sorry to have to tell you that. How long ago did they leave? She says they stayed with us two nights ago. They left mid-afternoon. Because Madame Marie has met McCord and Charlotte has not, I think that Charlotte has a moment of showing some vulnerability to Madame Marie and asks her, do you think they're still alive? Yeah, she sees, um, she picks up on that and she says, I hope so. The two of them are, as I'm sure they told you, I met them once before and I think they're good men. Um, I was able to help the, the big one, James, with a few things, but I hope they are. I think the moment of uh, the vulnerability passes and uh, Charlotte goes unreadable again and then just says to the other girls, if you're ready, I think we should go. She says, if I may, it's, it's almost midnight. The trip there is a rough one in the day. Um, I think... I think, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, I think if Charlotte were on her own, there'd be no stopping her because finding the people that she's supposed to track and find alive is her job Mm -hmm. and her passion. Um, However, uh, she just met these young ladies and wants to make sure that they are up for 
the task for whatever it is that we find and that they are also safe. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think she'll kind of calm down a little and maybe suggest that we head out at first light. Although she will say they are your friends. It is up to you. Leaving at dawn does seem to make some sense. And I, I would, I either would need, if we were to leave immediately, I would want to send a message to my family so that they know not to expect us back home tonight. I just worry the longer we wait, something else can happen to them. And I don't want that. And I know I, I, I hear that you say the trip is dangerous, but I'm really worried. And if these men are dangerous, like both of you have mentioned, then we need to, we need to do something. They are your friends. I will, I will do whatever you two deem best, whether it's leave now or in the morning. Ignacy just looks at, at, at Agnes, just... Yeah, what what would Agnes know about like the terrain? Like, what exactly would be involved in getting to that location? Yeah, you know that it would be traveling through a forest, mm-hmm. um, relatively uncharted territory. You know for a fact that there would be no hope of you finding your way down there. Period. Um, but if Charlotte is as good a tracker as you have every indication to believe so far you think it would be possible. Um, it definitely wouldn't be the weirdest shit you've ever seen. That's true. Uh, what, what, how, how would I even deliver a message to my family at this point, at this time of night in this area? Um, Your mom and dad spending the night at Madame Marie's <laughs> love Agnes. <laughs> Don't worry about me. <laughs> Somewhere on the other end of town, you hear a book slam shut. (laughs) (coughs) She's where? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think if Charlotte does have an idea that it would be very dangerous, then maybe she'll try to guide them towards getting rest for a few hours and heading out when it's light. Uh, Give me a nature check. 13. No, I'm sorry. 12. Okay. Um, you, yeah, you think you could get there, but you're not entirely sure. Okay. I think, uh, she'll convey that cause Charlotte is, um, not attempting to be misleading and does not want to lead them into danger. So I think that she'll say, I can definitely get us there, but it would be safer and easier at first light. I don't think we'll be doing ourselves any favors if we end up injuring ourselves because we're in a rush to get there. And I would potentially want to take some time to prepare to make sure that we're completely fully equipped for whatever we're going to face. Maybe get some supplies. Shopping montage. (laughs) (laughs) Wilderness supplies shopping montage. (laughs) Ropes. A lantern. (laughs) Trail mix. (laughs) Go to REI. (laughs) Smash cut to trying on boots. That's my preference, but if if you feel strongly that we should leave right now, then we'll leave right now. 
No, if if it is dangerous, then we can wait. It's just has this just look of worry, like on her face. But she she agrees to wait until first light. Yeah, I think it's time to head to head back home and uh, sort some stuff out before we we leave on this little expedition. The Red Death is Morgan Nuncio as Ignacia, Cleo Yansu Davis as Agnes, Tim Devine as Finn Sawyer, Kent Blue as James, and Doug Lewandowski as the Game Master. The Red Death is part of the Role to Play Network. It is edited, produced, and hosted by Kent Blue. Discover more at RollToPlayNetwork.com And do join us next time, if you dare.